hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where it's like a high-wire act here this morning. Season 9 is off to a great start, and frankly, I would not have expected any less. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, General Manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison. And right before Nachum's live lunch, a shout-out to Yoni, who's calling in this morning. Good morning, Yoni. Good morning. How are you? I am well. How are you? Do you have power on the Upper West Side? Yes, power. I mean, we have a lot of power. You have a lot of power. All right, all right, all right. Settle down. Yeah, you know, there are still 1.7 million homes in the New York, New Jersey area. Oh, sorry, I should say, I should include the tri-state in the Connecticut as well, that are out of power. I don't know if you saw some of the pictures coming out of Lakewood and the uh, and the gourmet lot of Lakewood yesterday. Did you see those posts? I actually did not. I, I, oh, there is There was something like 100 thousand pounds um worth of food that had to be thrown out because they completely lost power for too long and couldn't sustain everything um so there are just these pictures on social media of dumpsters filled with food which is both heartbreaking um on so many levels but i also have to commend them because it's so responsible i mean i i know that we would say of course you can't you know, resell this, or of course you can't. No, 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 no. Plenty of people do the wrong thing. <laughs> so let's applaud people for doing the right thing, even though it's going to, you know, cause them a, a, a tremendous hit. But um, just a, a shout out, shout out to them and to anybody else who took a major hit or still doesn't have any power. I mean, we got power back yesterday afternoon, and I was thrilled. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, Mazel Tov's all around. So, uh, so you're on the Upper West Side and everything is fine. Do you see what's going on outside? By the way, it's pretty uh, threatening. Uh, yeah, well, gloomy, but you know, under the week there is a Okay, all right. Well, um, I just want to thank you. You were unbelievable this week in terms of the show we did on Sunday, both NCSY shows, the Sunday show and the Tuesday pre-record show. So um, I really can't blame you for not being here now. That's basically what I'm trying to tell you. I understand where you're coming from. Good. At least someone is. I know. Don't worry. I took a hit for Nahum. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, Yoni, I will talk to you later. We got a lot to go through today, and I don't want to waste time. I will speak to you soon. Enjoy the interview. Thank you. All right, folks. This is my weekly reminder, though I... You know, took a couple weeks off for the three weeks. Hope everybody had an easy and meaningful fast. As my reminder for you to wash your hands with soap and water. Yeah, it's not rocket science. It's washing your hands with soap and water, of course. And uh, practice social distancing. Make sure to keep six feet apart. Wear masks when appropriate. It's really not that complicated. And, of course, there's no segue here. But send your resume to resume at Um, We've had a number of unbelievable submissions in the last week. I can't believe um, how many of our listeners are, have been so um, excited about this project that we have, and we are happy to do our part. We've had success in sending out at least a dozen resumes, if not more, in the last week and a half to a variety of different potential employers who have positions available. So again, if you have a, if you're out of work, as many, many people are during Corona, as a result of Corona, please send your resume to resume at nahumsegel.com. And of course, we will do our best to hopefully make a professional shidduch for you. Shout out today to Mendy Erez. Today's national holidays are in his honor. First of all, I love doing the national holidays, but this one's great. 
National Breath, Fresh Breath Day. It's Halitosis Day. Halitosis Awareness Day. I'm sorry. What? Yes, you heard me. It's National Fresh Breath Day. I, I frankly, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like celebrating, you know, National Take a Shower Day. Why are we celebrating this? People should have fresh breath. Yes, have fresh breath. Use a mint. I don't understand. Okay, it's also National Root Beer. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was bad. National Root Beer Float Day. I'm into those. I'm into those, though I'm not really a soda drinker and I don't really like ice cream. But when I was a kid and I was fun and I liked both sweet things and ice cream and soda, this would have been a go-to. Um, it's also Indiana India Pale Ale Beer Day. So I think there's a root beer you know, pale ale kind of composites, I don't know, some kind of confluence there. But here's my favorite, and I'm actually, you know, celebrating a little bit in advance. Sometimes I do that if there's a, a good national holiday that's coming up, and it's it's not today, so I'm not celebrating it today, but it's worth mentioning. Okay, <laughs> I can't even. It's Artichoke Day, yes, on um, the 8th and 9th of August which would make it Shabbos and Sunday. It's National Artichoke Day. Now, why is this noteworthy? It's noteworthy. I can't even get it out. It's so ridiculous. It's noteworthy because it's been moved from its May date because of COVID. Okay. Was everyone getting together for some kind of like artichoke conference that I'm unaware of, which is why it had to be canceled in May? Like, what does that mean? I'm sorry. We, we had to move Artichoke Day because of Corona. I don't even understand what that means. If there's an artichoke out there, eat it. Celebrate National Artichoke Day. Anyway, so that's what I thought was funny. And that one's, frankly, semi-ridiculous. Mendy, that's all for you. All right, folks, we've been waiting for this interview for a long time. You've been li- you are listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And um, there was a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of excitement. There were a lot of pre-orders. There was a tremendous amount of hubbub about the upcoming release of Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook. And for good reason, because, I mean, I honestly do not think that there is, that there's a copy left. There's no copy left anywhere. And I live in the five towns where you can frankly get anything, but there are no copies left. And it's all a testament to the person who is on the line with me this morning. Danielle Renov joins me this morning. She is calling to, calling me from Israel. She's the author of Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook. She is also the blogger and influencer behind the popular brand and website and Instagram account, Peas, Love, and Carrots. It's all from her kitchen in Israel where she creates delicious and approachable recipes. She shares lifestyle tips and hacks and shares all things motherhood and family related. But most of all, folks, she talks about food. Danielle, good morning and welcome to That's Life. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. First of all, Mazal Tov on the birth of this child, which frankly, I, uh. <laughs> I frankly think it is. I mean, there is so much love and it's, it's, let's be honest, it's the weight of a newborn, Danielle. It is the heaviest. It is. It is. It's actually 4.1 pounds. Oh. <laughs> It, it probably weighs more than some newborns. <laughs> I, I I know for a fact that it does. It's it's crazy. It's crazy how full it is. It's crazy how much you packed into every single page, and it's crazy how Thank much you. how much I've already used it in the two weeks ah, since it arrived. In are my, you serious? 
I, I, can I tell you something? You know, there are certain cookbooks that you've had in your kitchen for, I don't know, a decade or whatever that look like they're a decade old. They got stains. They have, you know, they got crumbs in it. That's what I said. I want to see everybody's pictures when their books look like that. Yeah. So this is basically the equivalent of what my Haggadah looks like that I've had for 30 years. I've got <laughs> I've got crumbs in here. I've got stains on here. This is, you that's, should. That's what I want to see. Well. That's, that's amazing. Well, yeah. So I'm not even staging it. Like, it's, it's totally stained at this point. I am going through it. <laughs> I'm going through it from cover to cover. And there is so much content that I really, I, I really applaud your hard work. It shows throughout Thank everything. You. But let's start with the cover because let's be honest, books are yes. judged by its cover. And that cover to me is the, it, it is almost like the poster child of your background. It is, it speaks to both your Moroccan background that you're so proud of and you talk about and your Ashkenazi background that you talk about. So was that the intent when you put this twist on a good chicken soup with matzo ball on the cover? That's a, you literally hit the nail on the head. And actually what that tells me is that we chose the right cover because I really, you know, it's actually a very difficult process, obviously, to choose a cover. And if you open the book to the inside cover, there's a different cover photo there. That was the initial um, mm. cover of the book. And, you know, there's so many rules. You have to put a protein. You can't put fish. You can't put dessert. You can't put drinks. Like, you know, you like all these rules that you're technically supposed to follow. And, of course, you know, cook authors break the rules all the time. Um, but, you know, because my name was Peas, Love, and Carrots, I really wanted to have an animal protein on it so that right away people would know it wasn't vegetarian, whatever. And we were going back and forth, back and forth, and we took this picture, and it happens to be that the picture that we took is, like, one of my favorite salads in the book. I absolutely love it. It's the fennel and blood orange or tangerine salad, and it's so delicious. But, you know, we were looking at this picture, the other picture of the matzo ball in the book, and I was like, you know what? I, this is what I want, but I can't put a matzo ball because a matzo ball doesn't say who I am. And we started brainstorming and we came up with this Moroccan matzo ball soup with Mediterranean Middle Eastern influences. Right. And that's literally me because my mother's Moroccan, my father's Ashkenaz. I grew up in New York. I moved to Israel. I shop in the shuk. You know, my my whole kitchen is a, an amalgamate of everything that I've taken, uh, you know, in my whole life. And you know, that's what this cover is. <laughs> I will tell you. I know. And, and it, it totally speaks to that. And I will tell you, as I'm looking at this other picture of the shaved fennel salad, I would have been disappointed if that was on the ca- on the cover. And I'll tell you why. Not because I'm not a shaved fennel fan with sumac, because I can just look at it and tell you, of course, it has sumac and blood oranges <laughs> on it. Because I, I love this. This is, you know, I don't eat meat. And this totally speaks to me. But if you had put this on the cover, I would have, I would have automatically said she's not making me work hard and one of the things that i love about this cookbook is that it's there are yes there as you write there are four ingredient recipes that's fine i have a lot of four ingredient recipes that are that are tried and true and are worth it they're great i don't care that they have four ingredients they're they're great but there are but there are recipes in here which which as soon as i saw some of them we have a sign hanging up in the studio with the words stretch goals on it. It reminds us that sometimes we should have a goal that makes us stretch a little bit more than we're used to. And so when I 
looked through these recipes, there are so many recipes in here that fall under that stretch goals category. It makes me want to work a little bit harder. That's what the cookbook cover says to me. You can make a cook, you can make a chicken soup. Great. You can make a chicken soup with matzo ball, but this is different. Work a little bit harder. And I think that that is such a great message for the, for the 2020 kosher cook. We are, we're beyond margarine. We can leave margarine behind. <laughs> like, let's work a little bit harder. Margarine has its has its place. Yes. You know, there's a few applications for margarine where it's appropriate to use, and I think that using oil instead is to the detriment of the food. But right, I hear what you're saying. Right, but I think it's I, I so think great. Also, I think we can push the kosher world in a better place. Like I always say, you say margarine, I always say, even though I do have a recipe with duck sauce in the book, but I always say we can do better than duck sauce. That's it. It's exactly it. And so when I'm going through this, and and as Nahum and I discussed this morning on JM and the AM as we previewed this upcoming interview, I said, yes, I'm, I'm a tough critic and I'm hard to impress, but I have to be honest with you, I'm super impressed. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, I was real. I worked really, really hard because basically, I. It's not that I was looking to reinvent the cookbook or what the cookbook did. I just knew that I wasn't a cookbook user, and I couldn't figure out why. And the more I explored that in the beginning of writing this book, the more I realized that I'm so visual, and all the cookbooks I was seeing were so technical and so wordy, and you know, it was almost like the recipe was an afterthought. You know recipes were written in small paragraphs and you couldn't go back and forth and find your place. And all of these little things and the way the chapters were divided, like you can't go back and find something because the chapters are like a little convoluted, you know, like, I don't know, a chapter could be like, whatever, I don't know, <laughs> like Sunday suppers. And you're right. like, oh, well, was the chicken I wanted in Sunday suppers or was it in Shabbos recipes or was it here? Or was it there? I really just tried to break it down and put recipes that weren't broken down, put recipes that were worthy of being in a book, but have the book itself be broken down in its most simplistic form so that it's so, so simple to use that even when you're making a more involved recipe, you're doing it with ease. Well, not not only was that successful, but I'll I'll prove your point. Thank you. <laughs> I have a 16-year-old son who is home this summer because like so many kids, they right. are home this yeah. summer. The and world. and he exactly and he's working and last Friday he was not going to work and I plopped the cookbook down in front of him and I said oh, and I pointed to a particular recipe and I said make it because you're responsible for this for tonight. And he looked at me, <laughs> he looked at me like not only I was I the meanest mother, he had ever met in her his entire life but that I was speaking a foreign language I said you can do it and I literally left the kitchen I left the house and it was <laughs> and everyone loved it his what was it it was the it was the sweet and sour meatballs that you give the oh. that you give the the cabbage soup nod to the stuff not the cabbage soup yeah. the, the stuffed cabbage and my husband who god bless him he should live and be well if he gives a compliment on a recipe or on a dish it's oh it's fine but he said but he said he goes this this tastes like stuffed cabbage i said that's the point and he had like three servings of it Friday night. Now, first of all, my son felt like a million bucks. And second of all, I said, it, just, it proves the point. It just proves my point. You're listening to my interview this morning on That 
Life with Danielle Renov. She is the author of the acclaimed, critically acclaimed, because I'm a critic. It's critically acclaimed <laughs> cookbook, Peas, Love, and Carrots. I, I got to ask you a couple of different things. Let's take it a step yes. back. Let's 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 talk about the 86 things that you want people to know <laughs> about this book and cook. First My of all, page. first of all, kudos to you that you picked 86. I love random things. I mean, you didn't pick 100. You didn't make it 50. You had 86 things you wanted to say. That's great. Let's talk about your relationship with raisins. Raisins, Danielle. Oh, I hate raisins. I hate raisins. And I don't hate anything. Everybody can tell you I love everybody in this world. I love everything in this world besides raisins. It's... If we're, I don't understand, like, I feel, you know, David amount. I feel like you can figure out a reason for everything. There is no reason for raisins. No reason for raisins. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, you write raisins are the unfulfilled potential of grapes. I mean, I read that. I highlighted it because it's so funny. <laughs> they could, they could have been wine. Now they are ruining noodle kugel for children everywhere. Exactly. It could have even just been a grape. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like when you're a little girl and you go to school and you go to a school kiddish and you take that bite of noodle kugel and you expect it to be good. And then the next thing you know, you have this plump, mushy, nasty, golden bit in your mouth. Yeah. That's it. They destroy You can never eat at a school kiddish again. It's I, I completely hear that. I totally cracked up when I read that. Let's go to number 63. <laughs> Dry your greens, herbs and salad. Watery, watery salads are not delicious. Oh I, it's a pet peeve. Total <gasps> pet peeve. I know. I know. I know. I have. Danielle, you there? I think we lost Danielle. We're going to try and get her back. Danielle? Mm, I think we lost our connection, so we're gonna, we're gonna have to. Hello. Oh, there you are. Hello? Okay, yeah, there you are. There you are. Oh, we were. That's so strange. Okay, sorry, I'm calling from Israel, so it gets shaky. Sometimes. Yeah, don't worry sorry. about it. Don't worry about it, because we're still. I'm still in the middle of the rant about watery salads, so don't worry I about know, it. No, I know it's really awful. I don't understand. You know, nobody water is not an ingredient in the salad. It's not delicious. <laughs> I, water is delicious. It has its place. It's not an ingredient. Get it off your greens. It's I, not good. I, it also makes them soggy and wilty, yes. and it's not pleasant. Truth, sister. So true. And, by the way, it also it also prevents the dressing from sticking to the salad. Yeah, oh. I mean. It's not good. It's not good. It's, I, it's not good. And if you, if you put watery lettuce in the fridge, you are going to be the person that serves brown-edged lettuce, and there is nothing worse than brown-edged lettuce. People are going to talk about those people. I'm with you. I'm completely with you. <laughs> okay, now let's well, go. To, let's go to item. Learn. Yeah. Well, I'm. You know. By the way, it sounds like you and I are standing on this soapbox by ourselves, but that's fine. I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> now, here's number I eighty-three. Think anybody that's ever been served a brown-edged lettuce at a restaurant oh, is on the soapbox. That's with it. Us. We are not alone. Don't you want to send that back? And I'm so not a person I, to. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. There is nothing better in this world than a salad that somebody else makes for you. So when you go to a restaurant and you order a salad and you didn't have to wash it and you didn't have to chop it and you didn't have to check it and somebody else made the dressing and somebody else put it together and you're so excited to have avoided that work and get that really delicious crunchy salad and then it comes out wilty and soggy or with brown and lettuce. They let you down. Yes. They really, really let you down. I, 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 I am so a, I am so, it, uh, 
you're you speak the truth i don't even know what to say i'm speechless you're so right it makes me absolutely crazy now my daughter does believe that salads make you sad that's her theory she always says salads make you sad have you ever looked at a salad and been like wow i'm so happy about eating the salad but the truth but the truth of the matter is, is that i agree with you when some when you sit down at a restaurant and somebody has prepped this abundant field of of like bounty and it's sitting there beautiful in front of you i'm excited there's yeah, I it happens to be I you know I love all food. I really don't discriminate. I love meat. I love chicken. I love fish. I love it all. I love a good pastry. I love a good pasta, pizza, all that stuff. I happen to love a good salad. My lunch every day that I make for myself is a salad because I, I I'm not a tiny person. I just genuinely love the crunchy cold in the middle of the day. I love tuna. Like I love proteins. I love all that stuff in my salad. I just, I want somebody else to do it sometimes, I'm and I you. want it to be delicious. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Let's talk about number 83. The only way to improve oh. your cooking <laughs> is to keep cooking. Same goes for baking and chopping. I would, I would, I would tell you that this is such good life um, life advice. And what I mean by that is that if you're a, if you're a runner and you've never ran around the corner, but now you've done your first marathon, why is that? How did that happen? It's because you kept right. doing it. This is not a skill that's unattainable. I've told a million people, if you can read, you can cook. And so yep. the more you do it, like the strengthening of any muscle, the more you do it, the better off you're going to be. I agree. And it goes, I don't know which number it is, but I feel like that one goes with the tasting one which is somewhere here. Like tasting is a fundamental part of cooking and those things go hands in hand. Like if you can learn to keep tasting your food as you go, you can improve the actual quality of your food as you're cooking it. And the more you cook that dish, the better you'll get at that dish. So you really just have to, you know, practice makes perfect. It's, it's not a joke. Like uh, literally practice makes things easy. So. A hundred, a hundred percent. Unfortunately, we have, a few, we have a few minutes left and I have a million post-its on my desk of things that I still want to ask you. So <laughs> I'm going to have to whittle this down. First, I, I want to tell you about the preserved lemons and limes um, recipe. And I'll tell you what I, why I love, out of everything in this book, and frankly, I mean, I, I have really used this book and there are a million recipes. How many recipes in total are in here? It's 250 plus. 250 plus. I only wonder about what didn't make the cut. But anyway, I there. I, I have to tell you what I loved about the preserved lemons and limes um, recipe is that you brought us into your home for this and you brought us into what you were taught as a kid for this because you specifically write, I can't tell you exactly what I do. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to I'm going to get you as close as possible. But I, I, I and follow what I'm saying, but I can't give you specifics because this is right. clearly a recipe that was passed down to you. Tell me about that. So I have a huge pet peeve with preserved lemons. Um, preserved lemons and citrus are a huge part of Moroccan cuisine. My mother was born in Morocco. Um, my grandmother lived with us for a lot of the year and preserved lemons was like, they're literally always in my mother's fridge. In fact, the limes you see came from my mother's fridge and the lemons you see I brought from Israel to the photo shoot. So, um, these are actually our own preserved limes and lemons that you see in the book. Um, and you know, I know that a lot of people try to preserve very quickly. They'll fill the jar with lemons and salt and add lemon juice. And what they don't realize is they're actually changing the pH balance. By doing that, every lemon has the exact amount of lemon juice that it needs. And when you add lemon juice, you're oversaturating it with lemon juice. 
So it, the, the flavor is not balanced. But when you take the time every day to add one more lemon, add one more lemon, add one more lemon until the juice reaches the top, you've actually achieved a perfectly balanced mixture. And then you let it sit for an additional three weeks. That stuff is just it's unlike anything you've ever tasted. And you think you've tasted preserved lemons because you've done it this quick way, but you haven't because that's why this picture took us a long time to shoot because I was really adamant. That syrup you see on the side of the yeah. jar, yep. I really needed you to see that syrup because that is what preserved lemons should actually look like. That syrup should be there if you did it properly. Obviously, you know, it might not be there the first month, but it would definitely be there the second or third month as it sits. And that stuff is just so delicious. And the trick is there's no measurements because I could tell you to use 10 lemons, but maybe your 10 lemons are bigger or smaller. So maybe you'll have to use one more or one less. So this is where you have to use your intuition. And this is where something like practice really does make perfect. Um, and, you know, lemons are cheap and limes are cheap and salt is cheap. And those are the only ingredients. It's a citrus and a salt. And you, you can make this happen. Anybody can make this happen in their kitchen. And what it does to your food is so exponentially greater than the mm. time you spent doing it that it's really worth it. Unbelievable. Well, I, I love it here. I, I, I love this note because to me, I hear, I basically hear your grandmother saying to you, I, there, I, there's no cup measurement. There's no this measurement. Yep. I'm going to show you what I do. <laughs> you're going to do it and you're going to teach other people to do it. And I, and you know, it speaks to the fact that this is not a cookbook where you hired someone else to put together a bunch of recipes. These are your creations. No. They, oh my gosh. Right. They're your creations. They're, this is literally yeah. your baby and it, and it comes from both your heart and your kitchen. And it's, it, it totally speaks to that. And I must give Art Scroll a, a wonderful round of applause. Thank you. And, and Cole Hakovo to you. You know, you have taken your brand and your followers, et cetera, and, and brought them on a journey. And if this is one stop on your on your major journey, because I don't imagine that we're at the end of your journey, this is a one oh. this is a wonderful stop to be on with you. Wow. Thank you so much, Miriam. I really, really appreciate it. I love hearing about what you need and that you love it so much. And I, I really am grateful for being on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Kol HaKavo to you and continued Hatzlacha. And I, I, I can't wait Amazing. to, I, I can't wait to see the cookbook 2.0. <laughs> it's a one and done, babe. We're done. <laughs> That's what they all say. That's what they all say. Anyway, Danielle, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Totally. Thank my... you so much. Have a great day. You too. Take care. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Wow. This was as much fun as I hoped it would be, and I didn't even get through all of my posts and notes. My thanks again to everyone at Art Scroll for connecting us with Danielle and for making sure that uh, our copies of this unbelievable book would arrive timely and that I would get plenty of time to go through it because it really has been a tremendous amount of fun. The afternoon continues with a full day of programming. The live lunch starts in just a few moments, hosted by Nahum Siegel. And yes, we have a giveaway because we promised you giveaways throughout all the month of August, and we are keeping to our word. Our thanks to Aaron's Casino Farms and our friends at Aaron's West Orange for their sponsorship of our programming through the Yom Tovim. That is correct. We are going to be with our friends at both locations for the next number of weeks. We thank them for their support and for making all of this happen. Throwback Thursday starts at 1 p.m. and the encore of JM Rewind is at 4 p.m. Arab Shabbat Show hosted by Mark Zamek begins, of course, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time in a mazel tov to the Miller and Kamenetsky families on the wedding of their children last night. And, of course, to the proud uncle 
Uncle Mark Zomik. Tomorrow morning, join Nachum as he hosts JM and the AIM starting at 6 a.m. Eastern time. At the conclusion of JM and the AIM, join Naomi for Table for Two. And then an encore of the Arab Shabbos show, followed by the Kedem Arab Shabbos music mix up until candle lighting here in the New York area. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull, Matze Shabbos at 9. Matis hosts JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Folks, listen to the music coming up in the background. I love this song. Here we go on cue. There we go. It's Morty Shapiro's or Mordechai Shapiro's Bokir Tov Olam. So Morty and Benny Friedman were amazing at Yom NCSY this week. I'm so happy that we were able to be there. Thank you to David Cutler and everyone at NCSY. It was a wonderful production. And uh, as I like to say, my boss was throwing strikes that night. Nachum was an unbelievable MC. It was really a great production. And Morty played this song, and this song does not get played enough. I love Bokir Tov Olam. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Every day I'm 